Okay. Ready? Yeah. Let's do this. <coughs> <coughs> Hello. Hello. Alice, can you hear me? I can hear you hear loud, me? And, loud and clear. <laughs> on the other side of this tiny cage? Uh, Hello. It's There's a, there's an echo and there's <laughs> dripping. and I. We're back. We're back inside the cage. I don't know. I keep saying we're back, but we just sort of wander around in here until someone comes and puts a microphone in our face and then we talk for a little bit and then go back to staring at the wall. There's like cage. there's like a mirror in here, so we feel like there's more people. Yeah, so it, it, it also makes the, the cage look a little bit bigger. It's a little tip for you. Put a mirror in a small space. Um, so I'm just going to explain a little bit about this episode. It's going to be a bit strange. In a second, I'm going to paste in a little segment that we had recorded previously for another episode, but... It turns out that episode was a little too long, so I'm just going to reuse that story here. Um, we haven't released that story yet, so you haven't heard it. It's about the LaLaurie Mansion in New Orleans. Um, yeah, Nicholas Cage basically just bought a haunted house, and I just talk about the history of the house and why it was haunted and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, I don't know. We might refer to a couple things that won't be in this episode. So if you get confused, that's why. And we'll place that in right here. So I'm going to briefly uh, talk to you about the once owned haunted mansion that Cage had in New Orleans and give you a little background, a little background history on the house itself and why it was haunted. Little uh, true crime, little Cage. True crime? Did someone, someone got murdered in the yes, house? Yes, oh. Alice. I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, a little true crime, a little cage, a little Francis Ford Coppola. I don't know. It's kind of a mishmash of an episode, but whatever. Um, so let's see. I'm just going to quickly go through the mansion stuff just because there's not that much and I have my notes right here, so it's easy to do. Um, da -da 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 -da. so the mansion in question is called the LaLaurie Mansion, uh, named after Delphine LaLaurie, who was the serial killer, um, in the home, uh, back in the early to mid 1880s. Um, so just a little, uh, mansion facts. I got this all from Wikipedia. Uh, so it was, yeah, originally op occupied by, oh, Daphne, not Delphine. I think oh. I I think I wrote Del Daphne and Delphine. Delph I I'm pretty sure it's Daphne, but I was like half asleep when I wrote this, so uh, I was gonna make like a Delfino <laughs> Plaza joke, but that's like a an obscure. Well, no, it's just from Mario Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, oh, yeah. I definitely wrote both in here. Okay. Well, Daphne's Daphne. the one I wrote first, so let's assume it's that. Did so. she murder Niles finally? <laughs> You are really killing it with the references tonight, Alice. You are on top of it. And no, she was not. Um, so she was there in the house from about 1831 to 1834. Um, if anyone wants to know, the house still stands in the original place. Um, the house 
went through a fire and other stuff that I'll get to in a minute. So it's not, you know, it's not all original, but still stands at the same address if anyone wants to go. Uh, it's at 1140 Royal Street, New Orleans. They can't just dox the person who lives there. I don't think anybody <laughs> lives there at the moment. All the ghosts. You just dox all those ghosts. They're going to come Man, at you. Man, F know? those ghosts. And you'll see why I say F those ghosts in two seconds. Um, as far as serial killers go, like Daphne Lalori is like the crappiest serial killer, I think. Anyway, um, so fun facts. Uh, in 1928, the building was once described as, quote, the highest building for squares around. Oh, look at the highest, the highest building in the center of New Orleans. It was three stories. High. <laughs> <laughs> um... Also, I thought this was really weird. So this is legit a haunted house building that has a horrible history. Like, really, like, I'll get into it in a second. But, like, really, like, just not good stuff happened in this place. And listen to all of the, like, iterations this building has had before before it got to Cage, okay? So it was once a public high school, of course. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Imagine going to that high school and being like hearing all the stories that of be, murder like, that that's what i'm saying like that's so that's such a strange like move like why why okay anyway um a music conservatory an apartment building a refuge for young delinquents okay those were the exact words in uh wikipedia a bar which i kind of get like that makes more sense uh, a furniture store and then the last thing was not just an apartment building but a luxury apartment building i don't know why it makes it a luxury i don't know um the ghosts i guess add some luxury well, probably because no one if it's a haunted property no one will live there unless you make it really nice because I mean, that... people don't want to live in haunted places yeah but isn't that like like the value of property goes down if yeah but aren't some, some people like really weird and like do want to live in ha- like like Nicolas Cage yeah but I reckon where is it New Orleans yeah I reckon those people they don't want to mess with ghosts you right know? fair enough fair enough bad juju yeah um so Cage uh bought the house in 2007 for 3.45 million dollars uh in 2009 it was listed for auction as a result of bank foreclosure <laughs> this was after of course Cage's uh money woes um it was eventually purchased by Regions Finance Corporation so literally just like a random corporation just owns the building uh for 2.3 million dollars and like I said right now I don't know that it is anything I don't know I didn't really look as you can tell from um, the the fact that I don't even know what the lady's name is, I was very tired when I wrote this, so I didn't go too far into it. But um, so this was I thought this was really funny and very Cage like. So I, I'll just ask you, what do you think if you had to guess, right? If Cage, you know, you're Cage, you're wandering down down New Orleans, you see the haunted building. Why why do you think he bought the house? Other than like it was haunted, because he's like. I don't know. He's like a weird collector, isn't he? Yeah, true. I don't know. Well, maybe did she like murder him via snakes or something? Did she get eaten by a snake? <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be sick. I could totally see that. Um, no, it's actually, of course, weirder because everything is with Cage. He said um, in a Vanity Fair article I found, um, they asked, I guess they asked him about it. And he said he bought it because he figured, quote, it would be a good place in which to write the great American horror novel. I didn't get too far with the novel. Oh, man. <laughs> he was going to write a sick novel in the creepy mansion. It might have been cool if he, you know how, like, how 
I don't even know if this was out on like the the ones that we've actually released but like you know how I told you that him and his son did like a comic together yeah yeah they should yeah they should have done like a like a graphic novel like a horror graphic novel that'd be cool that's crazy that you would buy like an entire house yeah, just to write just to a write book just to hope that, that you, it... can, you can write a book anywhere like you can write a book in the house you already have yeah no yeah it. exactly it's because you need the atmosphere he's like oh i'll never be able to write my novel unless i have the perfect house unless i have a haunted house to write it <laughs> it in. makes no sense it's it's a total rich thing i think he was hoping that he say. would go to the haunted house and weird shit would happen to him and then and he, he would write would about have that. material to write mm. about but I guess uh, instead, the only haunt, the only scary thing that happened is he lost all his money. <laughs> then he wa- had to sell the house. Did you watch The Haunting of Hill House? No, because I tried to watch... Um, there's a show on Netflix called The Haunted. And um, I watched one episode and I started crying and made Thomas <laughs> turn it off. I hate... I'm not really good with, like, scary stuff. I, um, I don't know. I thought about it just because, like, I think the show itself is supposed to be pretty good. But, like, I don't know. I'm scared. Well, The Haunting of Hill House is probably about Nick Cage. It's about like a that's guy the, that's like a writer that like that's the story like, he was hoping to write. I yeah, I reckon it's loosely based off of his life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, now I'll, I'll watch it. All right, so that's kind of it for the building itself. Now we're gonna get into why, in fact, it is so haunted. Um, so again, Daphne or perhaps Delphine, we'll never know. Um, Lalori. Um, so she moved into the mansion with her much younger third husband in 1831. Goger. Um, but she also does suck, like, super hard, because she killed people, and also just, like, she didn't just kill people, she killed her own slaves, which I think is just, like, I mean, like, just, ugh. Um, so, yeah, obviously this was back in the 1830s, where people still largely had slaves. Um, she ultimately was caught, um, the only reason she was caught is because, uh, the house that she lived in caught on fire, the mansion, and uh, once authorities arrived to the property, they figured out that her cook had actually set the fire in the kitchen, hoping to just friggin' kill herself because she was so, like, she she was, um, I think she had gotten in trouble and she was going to be punished and she was scared that, like, like, basically, like, there was this room upstairs where she was just like, oh, if you go up there, you don't come back. And, like, that's where they were going to take her. And she was just like, man, fuck this. I'm just going to set the whole thing ablaze, which I can understand, like you know that's pretty hardcore yeah it's pretty badass man um so anyway but in in her attempt to do this they'd alerted the authorities who of course started to and you know look through the house i mean she was like the cook was chained to the stove like she could not leave the kitchen Mm. um so the lalories so she was married so it was all of the family obviously knew about this so i don't know why it gets all put on her but it does um but of course her whole the, all the people living in that house were um, guilty of this. Um, so eventually, uh, after the fire and everything, they um, looked into like the foundations of the house and stuff like that. And they did find um, bodies of former slaves. Um, they also found um, uh, about seven of her slaves uh, in various, just like various weird, crazy, like, I had different stories from different angles because the story's been sort of trumped up over the years, but um, basically just in different arrays of torture. Like, she would just... Oh, is she getting creative with it? Yes. All right. Have um, a bit of fun with her. Yeah, exactly. Just, Yikes. Yeah, it's just like... Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just... Uh. And Cage thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah, man. I want to <laughs> I wanna write a book. <laughs> well, I think it's just like reading about it, it's like people get like 
wound up in the story of like ooh a lady serial killer and ooh you know how interesting blah 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 but at the end of the day it's just like she was killing her own slaves like that's not really that one it's not that interesting of a story and two it's just like oh she just really sucked super hard like that's all there is to say really yeah but um so uh interestingly after all i thought this was just interesting because the reaction from the people like a sort of around town was like really immediate and really like intense so after all this was found after the authorities like looked through the mansion and like word got out of what was going on um basically a huge angry mob just showed up at the building and attacked and dismantled the house almost like brick by brick Mm. and um so that would lead you to think like oh you know back in the 1830s you know this is before um the civil war and you know before the slaves were free and all this stuff and it's like kind of oh you know nice that the townspeople cared about the slaves so much no um because the slaves were then taken to a local jail after being victims of this horrible crime where they were available for public viewing so people could see like oh yeah wow those slaves are really messed up guess she is a bad lady oh that's so crazy could you imagine anything like that happening today that's insane. Right. I'm almost done anyway. So, um, well, <laughs> well, I don't know. It's still dark because it's not a, like a very satisfying ending. So, oh, see here I wrote Delphine. I don't know where I came up with that. Um, so basically after the 19 or 1834 fire and all of that like kind of got out, her life kind of wasn't as well documented. I don't know. She kind of just t- disappeared off the face of the earth. So the story is that she, it, it, it is understood that she managed to flee New Orleans um eventually going to getting to paris where she died and she was never caught she just died you know from old age um and yeah she sucked and she always sucks um a fun fact though uh kathy bates good old kathy bates plays her plays like the character of daphne lalori in the third and eighth seasons of american horror story oh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. interesting yeah so that is a super quick story. Uh, and then, and then I don't know, I guess Cage heard the story and was like, hey, cool. Do you think he was going to write a story like about this, like from the perspective of the, of the slaves? slaves? And yeah. then, like, I would hope so. Oh man. And then I could just imagine him like playing. Could you role. imagine him just like walking <laughs> from, oh my God, what, in black? Yeah, in black. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> So we just talked about the little Lori mansion. Interesting stuff. Very spooky. <laughs> yes. Um, and sad that it's no longer in, I bet. Could you imagine? Okay. Imagine this. Picture this. The Lori mansion. Cage. Halloween party. That would be sick. That would be amazing. But someone would definitely um, uh, find a dead body in the pool Ooh, of the yeah. mansion. Yeah, party yeah, yeah. monster style. Yeah. Or like, or like, um, it would happen again. The whatever the murders are. Of the, <laughs> the, the same murders would happen, but it would be Cage oh, doing no. it. It's like one of those. It's like um, one of those like prophecies where like if you live in the house, oh, the crimes like become, keep like repeating themselves. Like Amityville. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that is that? Yeah. I don't think I've ever even seen that movie. I don't like scary stories. Scary movies it scares me. 
Um, anyway, so this week has nothing to do with murdering their slaves. <laughs> We're talking about Moonstruck, and um, this past, let's see, this will come out on Wednesday. So last week, if you're listening to this in time, was Valentine's Day. So we're going for a little bit more of a romantique film. We've talked about Moonstruck what feels like 17 times. So we're just going to kind of blow through this like as quickly as we can. I just want to start off with a fun moon story. Okay. Okay. Which is, that's, I know that's A moon related story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nick Cage howls at the moon every night. I wouldn't be surprised. But, um, so basically in a Vanity Fair, like, interview, article thing, whatever, um, Cage described the best night of his life as including the moon and his father's ashes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> was it like, that That would have been a very poignant moment, you know? Maybe it was a full Maybe. moon. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this story. Maybe it was like in the Big Lebowski where he, like, throws it and it that, blows yeah, back in his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was imagining when I was about to read it. But let me, let me, so this is a direct quote from Cage. So um, it goes, quote, two years before his death, my father had a wish that his ashes would be scattered in a particular place, a body of water outside of America, I won't name. When he died in 2010, I kept dreaming about his ashes, so I knew I had to honor that wish. After quite a trek involving planes, cars, and a water taxi, I reached the specified place. I scattered the ashes precisely at midnight. As they hit the water, church bells started chiming, and a glorious full moon emerged from behind the clouds. It felt like the final scene in The Last Temptation of Christ, when Willem Dafoe's Jesus screams in ecstasy, It is accomplished! That was the best night of my life. That's kind of cute. That's sweet. Isn't it? Um, so yeah, so speaking of the moon and pizza pie and family and da 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 moon hits your eyes. <laughs> By the way, in case you were wondering, yes, that song is played a million times in this movie. Um, as a, a person of Italian descent, ah, I was very offended, offended, by the very offended portrayal by this of, Ameri- of Italian Americans <laughs> in this movie. It was very stereotypical. Nah, it. I mean, I felt like what was it? I felt like none of like even though Nick Cage like Nick Cage Nick is C- Italian. Yeah, he's Italian. And somehow manages to make an unconvincing Italian. <laughs> <laughs> every every accent he does is unconvincing. <laughs> even his like American accents that he does in a different voice are unconvincing. Well, no one in this film seems Italian. No, well, I uh, no one is. I think uh, uh, Cher's mom in the movie is Cher's like is Dukakis. So, I think they're like Jewish. Cher is is Armenian. Cage is Italian. Uh, that's pretty much all I know off the top of my head. It just feels like the whole film is like, aren't Italians funny? Yes. Isn't it funny that Italians shout at each other yeah, a lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eat a lot of food. And, and blah, eat blah, pizza blah. and... Love the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my mom about this and she was saying it's important to remember the offerings that we had. This is how she said it. She said it's important to remember the offerings that we had at the time. So at the time... It was pretty good, but now it may not be as good because we kind of don't understand why people 
like this movie as much as well, we do. We, this was one of the first movies we watched it when is, we started yeah. doing this. Mm-hmm. And it was infuriating to me after watching Vampire's Kiss because mm-hmm. that was like the best movie I've ever seen in my life. Right. And then like Moonstruck was nominated for an Oscar. Yep. And it's a huge success. Put Cage on the map. I mean, it's a, like, I feel like it's a watchable, like, enjoyable film, Mm -hmm. but as a rom-com. Rom-coms in general, I feel like, are my least favorite genre anyway. And if it's going to be a good rom-com, like, you got to have, like, likable characters. And the thing that is annoying about this film is that it's another case of, like, the thing, the same problem in every Cage film, where it's like, why does this woman love Cage? Why does Cher... He's got. Is this the one where he has a hook for a hand? He does not have a hook. It is a wooden hand. You're gonna marry my brother Johnny. Yeah. Would you like to go someplace so we could? Talk? I have no life. It's a wooden. Hand. Which is the one where he has a hook for a hand? Uh, that is... might be Deadfall. Or that might just be your imagination. Well, I remember this film. He has a hook for a hand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wooden hand. <laughs> and then I remember that he gets <laughs> his face in a deep fat for. A... <laughs> That's Deadfall. <laughs> they like I, they merge into one film for me. I think we saw those around the same time. Oh no! But it's stupid. It's like he's a he's still he's a bread maker, right? Yes, he's a baker. He's a baker with one hand, yeah. and he's a psychopath, and he's like <laughs> making the bread, and he's like freaking out, and <laughs> yes. like about looks like he's about to kill someone. Yes. <laughs> and shares just like she literally has one conversation with him, and then after. He's like, I'm in love with you. And she's yeah. like, oh, you're so charming. Yeah. And it's, and then, yeah, there's that bit where he's like, oh, I love, I love, what is it? Opera. Oh, yeah. Or was yeah, it poetry? Yeah. What is it? No, it is opera. Theater. Yeah. They go to the opera. And it's like, when does this character ever express that he? <laughs> I'm assuming that's something they took from. That's just Cage. cage. Right? Yeah. That's just cage straight up Cage. Cage himself does love opera. Yeah. Um, yeah. This movie's kind of weird. I mean, we've mentioned in the many many times that we've tried to record talking about this um there would be no vampire's kiss without moonstruck because cage was so disgusted with himself (laughs) after making this sort of family friendly box office hit that he then made uh vampire's kiss as like a uh you know to go against it to go against that image um so we have i we have moonstruck in a way to thank for that um i'm grateful what is life? But I was thinking it's very similar to um, my big fat Greek wedding, like just in terms of like oh loud, like it's like how they're Greek, typical, yeah, like um, you know whatever. But this European this is family. like this is like hitting you in the face with it. It's like it's like any Italian stereotype that you can think of that you would like ironically do. Yeah. As like an Italian impression, like they do, like the opening scene. Like this, uh, the opening scene is just like the moon with that stupid. That's amore. Yeah, and they're like eating spaghetti in it. I'm sure. I don't know. I don't remember. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> this is really. And there's that like old man yeah, in it that's just like. But this is what I'm saying. Look, in, in my big fat Greek wedding, they have the exact same. So it's the mom, the dad. Um, they have like, I think she has a brother, whatever. And then there's like an old grandma that still thinks the war is going on and who is crazy and keeps like getting out. And, um, 
yeah, they because uh, uh, when my big fat Greek wedding came out, like everybody loved it, and it was nominated for a bunch of awards too. But when I watch it back now, I'm like, oh, this movie really isn't that good. But I think so. That's why Moonstruck kind of reminds me of that, where it's just like for some reason at that time, everybody was just like, oh, I love it, you know. Um, yeah. So it did win awards. So Cher, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Cher won the best actress for this for this movie. That is bullshit, though. <laughs> like. And her acting, original screenplay. Her acting is not Oscar-worthy. Oh, and so did her mom won the award, too. That's bullshit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so let me go into the movie just a little bit. So if you haven't seen it, um, 1987 is when this was made. Go over the overview very quickly, even though we've talked about it already. So, uh, no, no sooner does Italian American widow Loretta. Oh, I w- also want to say this too up top that I don't like that the whole movie is set up where like Cher is a widow, but like she can't just be a widow; like she has to get married again because oh. <gasps> my food is oh here. Oh my god, they're so fast. They say bread is life. Oh, I remember now why this film is bullshit. Why? Because the whole, like, tension of the film is that she has to get married to this twat that she hates. Yeah. But she's in love with Nick Cage. Right. And then the film just kind of resolves itself by Nick Cage being like, hey, like, I'm banging your wife. And then he's like, okay. And then he's like, hey, and he's like, died. Yeah, he's, he's just like, I'm fine with that. And, like, everything's fine. Yeah. And it's just like... It is very weird because at the end, the point. Yeah, there's like an end scene where they're like all literally like in the same room together, and it's and like, like and like this dude has just been told that his wife, that his like fiance, is like cheating on him with his brother. Yeah, and he's just like he's fine. He's okay. he's totally fine with it, and he's Where's just like the pizza. Yeah, he's just it's just like for convenience sake because of the script. Like yeah, that's why he's like fine with it. But it's like in real life, this human being would be somewhat distressed yeah, at yeah, this yeah. information. There's and it's no like. like yeah, there's no, um, it just sort of, they're just like, okay, okay, bye, okay, that's good. Um, so yeah, the overview. Um, no sooner does Italian-American widow Loretta share, accept a marriage proposal from her, marriage proposal from her dotish boyfriend, Johnny, Danny Aiello, um, then she finds herself falling for his younger brother, Ronnie <laughs> Cage. I still can't get a <laughs> Johnny and Ronnie. Johnny and Ronnie. Um, she tries to resor- uh, resist but Ronnie but Ronnie lost his hand in an accident he blames on his brother <laughs> and has no scruples that's the thing too is like he's like oh uh, my brother distracted me so I wasn't paying attention where it's just like you weren't paying attention anyway he didn't you know like it's not his fault so I feel fine to <laughs> to fuck his fiance <laughs> I have the right it's so it's just like so, oh, weird okay anyway five years ago I was engaged to be married and uh and Johnny came in here, and he ordered bread for me. And I said, oh, okay, some bread. <laughs> and, and I put my hand in the slicer, and it got caught because I wasn't paying attention. The slicer chewed off my hand. Um, so, yeah, so he has no scruples about aggressively pursuing her while Johnny is out of the country with their dying mother. Let me just add that in. Um, as Loretta falls deeper in love, she comes to learn that she's not the only one in her family with a secret romance. Um, oh yeah the mum is like cheating on her dad and the dad the dad oh the dad's cheating on no well because the dad is definitely cheating because he has that like 
older sweet lady that he takes out and then the mom has that like one weird interaction with that man like when they're walking home late at night and the grandpa sees them so the moral of the story is that it's okay to cheat everyone 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 does it it's your like a big pizza pie literally um yeah i don't i don't really know everyone cheats and there's no consequences for cheating because everyone's fine with this totally chill like there is a scene where where Cher's mom gets mad but then like immediately is just like well uh, men will be men i suppose and i'll you know we're married um it's directed by norman jewison 93 percent on rotten tomatoes and a four out of four by old roger ebert 93 percent yeah like i said this was really Fuck. really well received and even still you know uh people i think people you know i feel like people maybe watch this on tv when they're young and then really like it you know what i mean like movies that you watch when you're younger you have a special place in your heart for so all these nick cage films seem to be revolve around cheating being a cool thing um, I, don't, I don't know that might just be movies in general maybe <laughs> I don't know but it reminds me of another good Valentine's Cage film oh, yeah? that we should review which is? is Zanderly oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's the most romantic Cage film there is oh wait speaking of I, I, had, a, I had a little um, a thing for us to do okay a challenge a Valentine's challenge I forgot about that Okay. So um, I was looking online just for, you know, cage stuff, general cage stuff, and I came across an article in the... My neighbors are doing their laundry, which is the worst thing that could possibly happen when we record. Maybe it won't pick it up. Oh, it will. So, but (laughs) just deal with it. Sorry. Um, It's like in Mary Poppins when the guy, like, shoots off the cannon and, like, the whole house and everything, like, wobbles. Like, that's what happens when (laughs) my neighbors do their laundry. Um, anyway, so I was reading articles and stuff like that, and I f- came across The Daily Californian, which had a list of bad hookup movies that listed uh, our own uh, cage in The Wicker Man as a terrible movie to hook up to. So I thought, just as a Valentine's challenge, um, if we could quickly pick like the th- like top three or five worst movies to watch worst cage movies to watch with a date well zandali definitely because there's a hundred percent there's a scene where he like they're doing cocaine and he like what does he do he shoves up her vagina i don't okay he like (laughs) for the for the pot for the for the podcast i have to go into the details Specifically, he rubs his finger in olive oil and picks up <laughs> cocaine. I forgot the olive oil. Part. And then sticks it in her vagina. I don't know if that that's a thing. I've never done cocaine. I have no idea if that's something that, like, you know, that's, like, you know, on the download to do. What is the purpose of the olive oil? That's what I want to know. Uh, 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 it's like the binding agent. Uh, I, d- I don't know. <laughs> is he trying to get her high like can you get high from doing cocaine Through up your, your vagina, vagina? I have, probably I have, oh, I have no idea but it is truly and it's played off as like a romantic scene it's truly disgusting and remember the fa- facial hair he has like he has like the full like yeah dark he's disgusting beard. that was that was probably the first one we watched. that was the like... that was a good freak that, that's a film we need to go more into because yeah, that's the bit where he's a painter right and he yes. like rubs the paint all over yes. him and he's like Ugh. yeah 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 maybe that's we'll good. do that next yeah um yeah maybe we'll talk about that and then about cage's money troubles <laughs> just because <laughs> i don't know what else to talk about um so yeah definitely i would put i agree with you Stanley would be on there 
let's see what else has like graphic gross sex scenes with Nicolas Cage that would be bad to watch with like a first date um all of them <laughs> there's graphic sex scenes in like every cage film that is very true the one the one where he's Drive like angry. that no the one where he's like a pervert that spies on oh, people yeah. through the what house what's that called safe or something like that that's like a newer movie that we watched on Netflix that I completely forgot that we watched um that would be that's true that would be great uh, I'm trying to think of another one where it's like oh like season of the witch where it's just like really boring yeah that would just make you go to sleep mm-hmm. but that's a good one if you want to Netflix and chill because you don't have to like true pay attention to it you know the wicker man i do agree with being not a great first i don't date i don't agree with that movie. i think the wicker man's a good first date movie because it's a funny movie he like it is funny. punches an old woman in the face doesn't yeah. he and yeah. a bear suit yeah like <laughs> wicker man's a classic so i disagree with okay, that i disagree with that. that um i think just for sure zandali is the top do not watch that with someone that you don't know well because <laughs> <laughs> it will scar it will it will change just like tell them like yeah this is a really romantic film this is i really want to do this with you (laughs) i really i've just been waiting my whole life to watch this movie with someone i really care about and i'm so glad i've met you and then you put it on and it's just like boom cocaine in the vagina which is the one where he's like having sex with a woman and then that's start shooting people yeah that's drive angry that's what i was thinking that's a good one one, but i guess it depends on your date i mean that the storybooks are bullshit I want you to come upstairs with me and and get in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, so back to the movie. That was a fun little exercise. Um, now we know that Zandali is by far the grossest movie. Probably one of the grossest movies I've ever seen. Um, definitely the grossest cage movie I've ever seen. Uh, anyway, uh, so as we mentioned, Moonstruck was a huge critical and commercial success. The cast was not expecting this, funny enough. Um, they did not think the movie was that good. <laughs> they didn't think. I it wonder was gonna... why. <laughs> they didn't think it was going to be received that well. They were just sort of like, "Eh, we're going to get a check. We're doing this, whatever." Um, it ended up grossing eighty million dollars in North America and was the fifth highest grossing film of its year. It's disgusting. Nineteen eighty-seven. It's, it's disgusting because Vampire's Kiss made nothing and no one gave a shit about yes. it. Everyone hated it, and it was vastly superior. Yes. He should have gotten an Oscar for that performance. <laughs> I think he should have gotten the Oscar for the performance in Deadfall, personally, which has a whopping 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Are we just wrong? Like, all of our opinions are the opposite of, like, what society says. the ones says. that we love are literally, like, 5 to 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, all of the high ones we tend to not like that much. I'm trying to think of one that was super high. Like, Face Off, I guess. You know, I mean, Face Off is a classic. But it was also well-received which we enjoyed um so just quickly because uh, we always mention ebert um he said quote reviews of the movie tend to make it sound like a madcap ethnic comedy and that it is but there is something more here a certain bittersweet yearning that comes across so ineffably romantic and a certain magical quality i disagree i don't he think later, it's romantic at all yeah well listen to this he later added the movie to his uh, to his great movies list what mm-hmm well, I think all this podcast proves is that Roger Ebert doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. It's <laughs> <laughs> like every review on this, I disagree with him. He is a little all over the place. He, he was, you know, on something. He didn't know, you know, at the end of his life, he was he was all confused. He didn't know 
what he was talking about. The name of Roger Ebert. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think I think he was a no. He was he's a beloved you. reviewer. I respect him very much. But I, just I disagree think, with everything he thinks. I about. just disagree <laughs> with his taste in films sometimes. Yeah, agree. But there was a there's like a book of like all of his one star reviews Ugh. that's really funny like, yeah he was really good. good at writing like bad reviews like uh re- not bad reviews but like reviews of bad movies yeah but like he yeah i don't i disagree with what he thinks of bad movies as we well disagree at this point um well i did watch uh, so i watched moonstruck for the first time with you and then it was on netflix so i watched it again and i did enjoy it a little bit more on the second viewing just because i knew what i was ex- like to expect but it's still not it's still not a movie I would like go out of my way to see again. It's I think if it wasn't if it didn't win an Oscar, I wouldn't have such a problem with it. It's the it's the acclaim so it's the acclaim that it has mm. is what pisses me off because mm. it doesn't deserve it. Mm. But like it's a fine film. It does not deserve an Oscar. It does not deserve a ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't deserve any of that shit. Right. And like I understand that I'm like a bitter spinster that like doesn't relate to it well i don't really i've obviously i live my life in seclusion (laughs) i don't know anything about romantic relationships which is why i dislike rom-coms so much (laughs) i don't relate to them it's like i'm watching them and i'm like these people are obnoxious pieces of shit and rom-coms yeah, it's just like you watch a rom-com and it's like, I don't give a shit about your relationship. I don't want to watch. No. <laughs> and that everyone's obnoxious. And it's like, this isn't how I would go about. It's just all of it. I just, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I just like don't It's understand. the dudes. It's always, it's always the, the male leads in rom-coms always piss me off because it's like, I don't think in real life they would be a charming, attractive person. Yeah. It's just the the film is like making them out to be this amazing person. It's like, I don't. And trust like that. See, I found Cher's character the most frustrating just because it was like, you're a grown woman. Why do you need to get married again so badly? Like, yeah, that's the thing where she's just problem is. she's just like so fixated on getting married, even though she's like vocally saying to everyone she knows, I hate this person. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe just fucking grow up yeah, and like, like, don't get married. Like, I don't understand any of these people's points of views. Obviously, people think this way. I mean, I get like that it was like a plot point because like he's her brother. So she has to get engaged to this guy so that she can meet Cage. But it's just like, well, why can't we just change it up a little bit so that she just meets Cage anyway? Like, he doesn't have to be his younger brother. It's because it's forbidden. That's because that's the thing. Whatever. If if Cage wasn't his younger brother, she would not be attracted to him. She is only attracted to him because he is forbidden and he is uh someone he she should not be with and she is desperate for an out and desperate to like get out of her situation and it's like this isn't like um like what's the word i don't know but this isn't representative of like a healthy relationship this is like an incredibly dysfunctional relationship that's probably not gonna last and they'll probably break up immediately after the film but that's what pisses me off that's what pisses me off is that like in these films same with um peggy sue gets married where it's like the whole film it's presenting this relationship as something to be desirable and something that everyone wants but in reality what would really play out in these relationships is that these people would break up immediately because it's all based on nothing right you know right and maybe i'm looking too far into like i'm putting too much of a critical lens and like putting it into reality too much and i know it's a movie but that's 
why I dislike these types of rom-coms because it's like unrealistic you know give me reality give me the give me the truth give me the bitter divorce and then it's an unhappy ending at the end like Kramer versus Kramer yeah and I should be so happy huh sweetie um, so as we mentioned, um, the movie did win some Oscars. So Cher won for Best Actress. Olympia Dukakis won for Best Supporting Actress. Olympia Dukakis plays Cher's mom in the movie. And it, um, John Patrick Shanley, who did the screenplay, won for Best Original Screenplay. It was also nominated what? for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Director. This is mind-blowing. <laughs> screenplay? Really? The screenplay? Nothing about We're this film does... Nothing eyes. about this film deserves these nominations. I don't understand. <laughs> I kind of agree, but like it, it was a, again, it reminds me so much of My Big Fat Green Wedding because that, when that movie came out, it was like not really an Oscar type movie. But okay, yet, but when when did when did Moonstruck come out? Eighty seven. What other films came out then? Because that's going to infuriate me. Because you know there's going to be other films that came <laughs> out then. You know there's going to be better films out there that didn't get those nominations, and the only reason why it got the nominations is because like share is in it or something you know maybe it's like there's gotta be films in 87 that deserve that oscar more than share movies okay what do we got we got predator we got robocop we got the princess bride lethal weapon lost boys yeah man all these films are better dirty dancing Wall That's Street. a better like all of these films. Oh, hey, Raising Arizona also came out. Raising No, really? No. Really, according to Google. No. Unless this list is really yeah, 1987. Well, I'd rather watch that any day than yeah, 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 Moonstruck. Yeah. Than Moonstruck. Ooh, Jaws: The Revenge. That's my favorite Jaws. <laughs> That's the third Jaws. Why is that your favorite Jaws? Because that's the one, because it's the, the title. Okay, wait, just listen to this. The family of widow Ellen Brody has long been plagued by shark attacks. <laughs> so the shark is literally following this old lady around. It's hilarious. I need to show you. Jaws the Revenge, check it out. Remind me to show you a funny YouTube vid. Okay. It's of. Um... Jaws. Oh, La Bamba. I love that movie. Uh, The Angry Video Game Nerd. Oh, when, right. But he's like, he does a thing where he's just like top 100 shitty shark movies <laughs> ranked. And it's like he just goes into every shark movie. Oh, and it's like, good, like bad it's like, but movie. it's shocking, like how many shark Luke? movies exist exactly. and they're all the same. It's yeah. crazy. It's like, it's a whole genre, just shitty yeah. shark movies. Just like how, you know, there's like the large crocodiles, the large anaconda, the large snakes. But sharks in particular, and it's all Jaws' fault. Like, oh, yeah, it all yeah, yeah. is because of Jaws. Love you, Spielberg. RIP to your career. Anyway, <laughs> um, back to Moonstruck. I'm just going to hit some some fun facts about the movie. So the original title was actually The Bride and the Wolf, which is a terrible title. Um, director Jewison shot the title down saying it sounds like a horror film, which I, which <laughs> I agree with. Um, so, uh, we mentioned that Vampire's Kiss is a direct birth from this movie, blah, blah, blah. Um, mentioned that Cher insisted Nick oh, Cage yeah. be in the I don't think I film. wrote that down, but that is true. That's a fact that from one of the last ones. Uh, so Cage, of course, was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> 
as always. <laughs> he was doing weird stuff that no one wanted in the movie and he wasn't backing down. And so they thought about getting rid of him and Cher stepped up and said, if you get rid of him, you get rid of me. And they were like, oh, we can't get rid of Cher. So I guess we better just put up with it. So thank you to Cher. Who knows where Cage would be if it wasn't for Cher. It wasn't yeah. for Cher and Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, let's see um so both dukakis and Cher, who play uh, mom and daughter in the film thought the movie wouldn't be successful and funny enough they both went on to win oscars for the movie see that's just messed up though it's like if you yourself know that you've done a shitty job and you still win an oscar there's something wrong with the oscars well i don't think they thought it, they did a bad job they just thought like the movie the movie sucked they be... the people making the movie <laughs> thought it sucked yeah and it still won an Oscar. Well, Cage also didn't really want to do the movie. Like, he turned down the movie at first, but his agent was like, this movie is going to be huge. It has a share in it. You have to do this movie. And basically, like, forced him to do it. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, this is my favorite set story. So, apparently, during the shooting of the film's climax, Jewison um, wasn't getting the performances that he wanted to out of his actors. So, he made them stay on set uh, during lunch. So, they were missing their lunch. Um, and they were going out over the scene over and over and over again. Um, cl- uh, so Jewison said that Cage eventually <laughs> threw a chair at another actor, and Cher threatened to report Jewison to the Screen Actors Guild for keeping them through lunch. So <laughs> I'm just trying to think of other jobs where I've, I've had to miss lunch because I've been busy or whatever, and I've never like been like, get me out of here! I'm going to sue if you don't get me some lunch! First, just the fact that he... I feel like he's on the verge of throwing a chair <laughs> at any moment, you know? It's like yeah, he's oh, waiting no, he, for an excuse. His, it's like... Yeah, his energy in this movie is very intense. <laughs> Chrissy, over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. No, Ronnie! Bring me the big knife! I'm gonna cut my throat! Um, but apparently the grandpa, the weird grandpa in the movie, sort of shuffled in and said, This is a Feyadoo farce. Feyadoo, Feyadoo farce. And in a Feyadoo farce... We pull everything together in the last scene. And that then calmed everyone down. And they finished the scene. So the little old man got everybody to calm down. Adorable. The whole movie sounds like a disaster. And I don't know. I can only imagine what Cage was up to on this movie. Um, so Cage, of course, tried to sneak in an accent, as he always does. Um, like we mentioned that it was supposed to be called like the Bride and the Beast or whatever. Bride and the Wolf or whatever. Um, he wanted to speak like... Uh, let me see if I can get this right this is a very specific reference like jean marais in beauty and the quote he had that accent of beauty and the beast he said quote uh cage said quote he had that accent and his voice was very gravelly and i thought of my character in moonstruck like a wolf who spoke with a growl <laughs> so cage was gonna have Why does he always pretend to be animals <laughs> like he never like takes humans as inspirations <laughs> yeah, for his performances the snake episode where he bought that pet octopus because he thought he could inspire him for a role <laughs> Remember that episode where he was yeah, like buying yeah. snakes? Yeah, he's he just I don't know. It's just that's that's what does it for him. Um, which I mean, just imagine him being in this movie with one uh wooden hand and a growl or a voice like a growly voice. I guess he's talking just like like Pat Never. He talks like this all the time, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, after car after Cage eventually uh started hearing the names of other actors to replace him on set, he dropped the accent. <laughs> Danny Aiello, Cage's brother in the movie, did not like the movie. Still does not like the movie, apparently. Um, he just cannot understand why Cher would go for Cage instead of exactly. him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, I think you guys would get along, actually. 
uh, and this is the last little fun fact. Um, so the bakery was a real place, actually, where the bakery in the movie. Um, it's actually called the Camareri Brothers. Camareri Can we Brothers. go there? Can we go there and get... <laughs> well, unfortunately... Oh, no. Yes. So um, this was, again, back in 87. Um, they filmed in a real place. It was a working bakery. The owner actually refused to close the bakery while they filmed. So he was just, like, shuffling around the film crew and baking as they were shooting. Um, but the bakery sadly officially closed in 2013, so it's no longer there. R.I.P. to the Camerary Bros. Bakery. Um, and that's pretty much it. So, yeah, we didn't really like this movie, and um, hopefully we never have to talk about it again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to ever talk about Moonstruck never, again. Never I don't want to watch it again. It, again. it um, sucks. This is, like, doesn't deserve time that we talked about a movie we don't like. Um... Yeah, no. I mean, I'm glad that it gave us Vampire's Kiss, but as far as, like, going for Cage's early works, I like to go for more of the weird stuff than the, like, box office successes like this one. Even though this is, like, one of his most normal films, he's still weird in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost a stretch to call him normal. No, it's not normal. It's... But it's, like, compared to the other ones, yeah. I guess it's worth watching Cage. It's it's the same. It's just, I don't know. It's the same review for every film. It's no, like yeah, if you like Cage, watch it. Cage, and it's worth but... hearing Cher say the famous line, "Snap out of it," you know, whatever. That's yeah, that's yeah. from this movie. Um, and Cher's Cher, right? So she's charismatic and fun to watch. So, uh, you know, it's not bad, but it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. But that's the thing. It's like if you replaced the two characters with two unknown actors, mm. it would be a terrible yeah, film. It wouldn't be as good. So why was it nominated for anything? I don't know. I don't know I'm still, it's funny that they nomina- nominated almost every actor but Cage. Really. Yeah, that's also a travesty because Cage is the... Really? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but in my opinion, Cage <laughs> deserves it more than anyone else. He only had one hand. <laughs> yeah, he acted with one hand. <laughs> I lost my hand! I lost my bride! Johnny has his hand! Johnny has his bride! You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away and forget all right, so let me quickly get all the stuff I need to say. Let me think. Uh, make sure to subscribe and leave a comment and tell people. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at CageCagePod. Um, make sure to tune in every Wednesday. And until next week, release the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Snap out of it! We need a we need a palate cleanser. Oh, like the um, like the ones. Stop! Can't fart. (laughs) That's not a palate cleanser.